0: Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before
1: and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike.
0: Coming to you live on tape from the penthouse of a partially completed commercial high rise in glamorous Hollywood, adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West. Boasting an obstructed view of one of LA's leading cement factories. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, the host of Mark McGrath's 120, Heard Weekends on the 90s, on 9 here on Sirius XM. Also, the lead singer of Sugar Ray, who released the new album, Little Yachty, featuring the lead single, Make It Easy. And in doing so... We're welcomed into the ranks of the Yacht Rock elite by none other than Christopher Cross. Yeah! Hello and welcome, Mark McGrath. Michael
1: Tully, I you saw, saw that tweet. That was so awesome, Fucking man. Fucking exciting. In the tweet, if I believe I'm paraphrasing, said, hey Mark, welcome to the boat. which was the coolest thing I've ever heard. You know, it's just so awesome.
0: Have you ever encountered him in real life?
1: Yes. One of the nicest things I've ever, most selfless, nicest things I've ever seen an artist or someone I met in the business do. We were playing the Santa Barbara bowl, probably 2000. Um, a long time ago crazy town was opening for it's just to give you a little bit of context um and backstage you go backstage and there's five mid-size uh guitars acoustic guitars all in uh all in these uh brand new cases i'm like Geez, what, what what's going on here christopher cross comes back and goes hey guys i just wanted to give you a little piece of me for you this is my christopher cross edition guitar and it's got the sailing lyrics around the, the hole the guitar hole of it and uh, he wrote a note to each one of us under this like yacht rock paper that just says hey this is a gift for me to you congratulations on your success just want to just you know enjoy these uh songs hopefully they enjoy these guitar hopefully they inspire you uh love christopher cross and he was standing right there okay. I'm like, this is the sweetest thing and i still have that guitar and i play it daily okay i
0: am very sleep deprived and i'm becoming <laughs> sentimental in my advancing age mm-hmm. i swear to god i'm 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 a little bit emotional
1: I, I get emotional. Wait, wait, so does he just, I've been to the Santa Barbara Bowl. I sold beer there. Yeah, it's hard to navigate there I walk up there. So he walked up there with five mid-sized Taylor guitars. So does he just give guitars to everybody who plays there, or do he just take a shine to you guys? I, I do not know. I believe- Does he live there? I, I think he lives in the area. Okay. I believe there was some connection, for a bass player somehow knew somebody in, like, the family. There was a distant somehow connection, if memory serves me correct, but- it wouldn't have surprised me if he did that to every band because he's that nice a guy. But Taylor guitars, now I play
0: a Taylor uh, also every day. Does not have lyrics to a damn thing on no, it. No, no. I received it from no one. But this, it cost me $1,400 20 years ago. I'm guessing a a Taylor made. Christopher Cross, Taylor, you're literally looking at a $2,000 guitar.
1: Without a doubt. And, and I gave you five I of give, them? I gave our DJ one. He didn't know what to do with it. He's like, <laughs> how do I play this? You know? Uh, and it, it was just so touching and sweet and kind. It was a man. Oh of, my God. It was a guy just, he's always been known as one of the greatest guys in the industry, but it just. And, him just like anointing us was like, "Hey guys, congratulations! Enjoy the ride," you know, and then see him like where he was that time, and it just, and then to see that the tweet he sent, you know, just a great guy. And Christopher Cross of all people, who would have thought, you know, that's
0: beautiful. I've really, really um, come to. I, I loved him as a as a kid, uh, but I've really started to appreciate him a second time. Mm-hmm. It's silly, man, but that first album, again, I go top to bottom on yeah. these things, yeah. and, I, and whoever played the lead guitar and his stuff was a sick little Phenomenal. session player. It might player, have been like
1: Lee Ritten or one of those really crazy jazz probably, cats. I'm not probably, sure. It but, probably was. Yeah. But, um, and also the production on them. They're just so clean. lush and big and beautiful. It's you know.
0: nice. I did not consider
1: Yacht Rock a a dirty word. Oh, not, not at all. I mean, whatever, however you want to go back and revisit things. Yeah. You know, people think nostalgia is a dirty word and I think you and I have talked about it. If you look up in dictionary, everything is positive about it. Yeah. You know, memories of great times in my life is actually like a paraphrase of like the definition of nostalgia. So, you know, it just all, it looks, it all depends on you to find yourself and are you happy in the position you're in you know, in terms of the musician or, or the career you've had, that's all that really matters. And Christopher Cross a- absolutely couldn't be happier and more grateful to be where he is. And he's got such a beautiful, beautiful, unique voice. That falsetto, that strong, it's almost, it's not a falsetto, it's a full voice. So uh, I know. An incredible songwriter. A very underappreciated, you know, kind of get thrown in, like you and I share a love for hair metal that, that you know, that's not ironic. It's just a pure, un, you know, unadulterated love. And that's the same with Yacht Rock. I mean, sometimes you... You put a big, sort of, uh, furry, funny blanket over the genre, but, you know, if you peel back the layers of some, especially yacht rock, I mean, it's just some of the best songs of all time in that genre. It's just feeling groovy. Feeling groovy, What's the what's so wrong the wrong? Nothing with that? wrong with that. A little, you know, a little doobie on a boat, man, some s- sandals, and, you know, you're fine. Who hates sailing? <laughs> Nobody. I, Actually, I hate sailing. Yeah, I don't really care for sailing. Either. I like yachting.
0: I like the idea of... Yeah, I'd rather listen to sailing than go sailing. Yeah, yeah for me sure. too, <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
1: I gotta go see him live. Isn't that funny? He's like, he's in, in, he's uh, he's uh, you know, encouraging you to go sailing when like it sailing's kind of you know aggressive. He's selling a, a he's selling a state of mind.
0: Yeah, yeah Well I'm thinking I just recently watched Waterworld for the Jason Ellis show. And I have I'm never seen a, that. Do you know what? Is it not that bad? I had to listen. I had to watch it
1: to make fun of it on the air. Right. And it was very challenging because I enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, when you're, you know, on a Sunday morning, you're hungover and you go by TNT or something, yeah. and that'll always be on. And I'll, I'll watch like five minutes. And I'm like, this is not that bad. Like, maybe I should invest in this. So, yeah. should I?
0: I dug it. Now, I think the, the cut that I saw was like a, a a manageable two hours and 16 minutes, I want to say, <laughs> I had seen. <laughs> I steeled myself for two hours and 56, and I'm willing to bet that there was at some point a cut that was more like four hours. That guy had made Dances with Wolves. And, One of the best movies. And they told him, that, see, that I've never seen. And they told him, you know, not to do it. You'll ruin your career, over budget, too long, yada, yada, yada. So he was feeling himself. And he was feeling himself, and he could do no wrong. And, you know, you don't film in water because of all the things that can go wrong. It's like you don't film with children. You don't film with animals. animals you, don't you don't film in water. water. Made fucking
1: Water World and made an epic. And. Does what 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 is the problem with Waterworld? Is I it his it was, acting, you know like and, and when he was in Robin Hood, it was yeah. his accent that, yeah. that just he took everybody out of the game. Okay, we're going home. I think it was very
0: simply that it was part of the it was the dawn of the era of Entertainment Weekly and we take it for granted nowadays Good but point. everyone then was intoxicated with becoming a Hollywood insider and sure. we knew about these movies that were in production people knew it was a troubled production people knew it had gone over budget now you could say the same thing about titanic and titanic obviously overcame that because at every single issue filming in water over budget too long you know identical but is
1: titanic better than waterworld you know i've get, never seen titanic I, I, I don't uh, wow i don't you, you but know, I listen they, to Christopher Cross. I, I know, but these <laughs> things you try not to do. You try not to do these things, which I really admire you when you go. Not true. You'll be not able, true. I've never listened to Eagles. I, it's impossible. I've never been at like a pizza store and listened to Eagles. It's impossible. One time I even bought Titanic on VHS and just never got around to it. It's it's a, definitely a watchable, enjoyable I, I have movie. no doubt. Where I like, bought it. I where, bought it. That's where, how much I intended to watch it. Like Where Waterworld was listing, yeah. we didn't save it as, as a culture. Where Titanic was listing, we saved it as a culture for some yeah. reason. And probably just the uh, little Caprio. I think... It was simply with Waterworld. Um, Is there a love story in Waterworld? I mean, that's what saved Titanic. You know, I mean. Yeah, I believe.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a there's a love story. Yep. Um, he's a difficult guy. He's a man of the sea. He's a loner. <laughs> he doesn't have a man with no name. A renegade. He's never known human connection as such. <laughs> But a form of love, sure, you would call it that. I think it was it's literally that, uh spoiler, spoiler alert, he's got um he's got gills behind his ears. He can he's a mutant that can breathe underwater. And I think it was Kevin Costner plays Fishman in
1: four hour catastrophe. Which is the thing he couldn't overcome. With an ill mullet, right? Didn't, didn't he have a mullet, sort of?
0: Yeah, he his his haircut seemed I don't know if it was designed to disguise how bald he was or accentuate it. Right. <laughs> he didn't it's know, tough because he's wet the whole time. Him,
1: it was not No. It was not to accentuate, for sure. No, but know? he's
0: wet the whole time, so there was very little disguising. God, the chafing that must have gone on on this set. He was wearing Wet suits like, and stuff? Leather pants the whole oh.
1: He's wearing these pants. They're riding jet skis and stuff like souped-up jet skis, right? They look stuff.
0: like like I bet you, uh, Chris Robinson from Black Crowes has about 15 pairs of these things. They're like <laughs> kind of like faux buckskin with little bangles hanging off them. Right, all over right. Place. And like,
1: like, they're woven together.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah I yeah, know yeah, exactly yeah. what you're talking oh, about. Oh, the
1: fucking chafing that must <laughs> have
0: gotten. Him. Uh, no. But they were filming in Hawaii, so it could be Well, worse. I'm going to watch it
1: now. And you're going to watch Titanic, and we're going to discuss. All right. Remind me. Next time we'll just Water talk roll about- versus Titanic. Next time we'll just do that. The lowest rated episode.
0: But for now, here's another topic that I want to talk to you about that was um, touched on and arrived at in an earlier episode when you and I spoke to each other. We did the the one-hit legends, which you and a couple of listeners took umbrage to me calling the Grateful Dead or whatever, one-hit wonders. But the facts are facts. When I was simply pointing out the fact that they are a band that's a household name that only had one song that charted in the yeah. top 10. And at that point, we started talking about there must be some bands that are have achieved legendary status with no hits. Zero hits. And so I have put together awesome. for our conversational and listening enjoyment today. I am so happy
1: with this category. I love this. Show. A list of no hit legends. Now... Which is an amazing accomplishment Mm because you're saying legends. You're not saying, you know, guys that play theaters and like, and I know it's a little different now because people can become sort of a commodity and play things and never have a hit because of YouTube and all that. So they almost did the impossible
0: back then. In the mono culture, with three TV stations yeah. and however many channels, AM radio, that's right, that's uh, right.
1: FM long play records. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't even playing the record. You know, it's all that.
0: Kind yeah. Of stuff. No. As always, thank you to the millions of websites that you know. I, I've yet to think of a topic for this show that there isn't already twenty five lists for uh, on the internet. And when I'm combing through those, trying to put together my playlist for this show, um, I came up against a bunch of bands that are, um, y- you know, your Arcade Fire and your Vampire Weekend, and it's like, can you believe they don't have a top twenty hit? It's like, like I would assume they don't have a top twenty hit. You can do that nowadays, particularly in the alternative world. Can you believe the Pixies didn't? Yeah, were you there? Right, of course, right. the Pixies didn't have a hit.
1: But also, the Pixies are bigger now yeah. than they were then. That's right. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Like that? That's also like you know. Sometimes history will add gravitas to yeah. your your career. Yeah. Well, and we'll touch on some
0: of those because yeah. that's a pretty good way to be a no hit legend is it's, to have a band that the was only way. was a slow boil. It's not the only way.
1: Now, well, I mean, it's it's, a, it's it's to me, I think it's a cool way of doing
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's a band that had one top ten. Hit in the US.
1: Wow, that's, and that's, this is that's, it. that's incredible. But this, you need so, stair- by all accounts, was
0: no, no, no. Stairway to Heaven was never released as a single. Because it's too long. It was too long. They didn't, apparently, at least in the US, Led Zeppelin didn't do singles. The story supposedly goes that the label released Whole Lot of Love. As, uh, off their, was it top 10? It's their second album. I, I'm confused. But th- that they put out, like, a single edit, because there's, like, the the ponderous, uh, to my ears anyway, instrumental right, right, section right, in exactly, the middle. Exactly. And they edited it down, and the band was like, fuck that, we don't want to roll like that. Partially, we've already made a name for ourselves. You know, why give away the milk when we can make them buy the cow? Yeah, for- once people know Led Zeppelin's got a new album and we're the golden gods they're the gonna album. buy it anyway. Don't yeah. don't give them the don't let them buy a single. People, if they want the big song that everybody knows, they're gonna have to buy the whole album. And then also the mystique of we're an album act. And, and, and people want what
1: they can't have. Yeah. And
0: and and you, you know you want to see us live, and you don't want. We just didn't want to be a singles band.
1: A whole lot of love on their first record. Forgive no, me. I'm I not a gigantic no, Zeppelin fan.
0: I like them. I got Led Zeppelin too on this. Okay, two. trying to think of what would have been a hit from the first time. I've never been a Led Zeppelin person. They're like the Beatles. You kinda can't help but know the entire catalogue, exactly. even if you So they are they are Led Zeppelin, as far as I can tell, at least in the US, are But they had a a one-hit act. Yeah, Led Led Zeppelin is a one-hit wonder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel so funny to say. So I want to acknowledge quickly, as I say, there's all these different web resources I end up leaning on um, as I put these shows together. But there's this one website I ended up using a lot for this particular episode. It's BobBorst.com. BobBorst.com. Bob Borst. Borst. It was Bob Borst's home of pop culture and web development. Would
1: I love that page? sounds like something
0: I'd love. It was a very simple page hearkening to the earlier days of the internet that was lovingly curated by this guy who, according to the Facebook comments in the bottom passed away in 2018. And he had this great function where you could put in a date and you could see what song was number one at any given date. Oh, that's so awesome. And you can actually see where it stops updating. And there's these comments in the bottom. People are saying, you don't understand. He was such a cool guy. Bless his heart. Shout out to Bob
1: Borst and BobBorst.com. I couldn't have put this together um, without it and him. Rest in peace, Bob. You know it's a fun thing to do, and it sounds like he was tuned into that, is looking up The Day You Were Born, what song was number one. What do you got? Mine was uh, sitting on Dock of the Bay. Not so bad.
0: Yeah. So what I did is I found a bunch of bands that have that everybody knows that never had a hit and I figured out when they released um, their biggest single or whatever they had that was, mm-hmm. resembled a single and then what song was number one when that came out for a little bit of context. Ooh, I like that. And that's where BobBorst.com came in. You know, what's interesting to me is that I obviously recognized most of the number one songs. It was weird when you would see legendary hit song legendary hit song oh I don't think I know that one right right exactly <laughs> so I almost want to do a whole other episode of songs, songs that, went that went to number one, one that
1: I don't fucking know like Martika Toy Soldiers it's fucking great it's a great song with the number one did it yeah Bumpfield won't know that you know what I mean it's incredible it's like, I love that song such a great song Eminem
0: uh, sampled yes, it yes he did mm-hmm. Indeed, he did. She even had a she had a second album. She had, had a follow a up,
1: and she also uh, she covered "Set Me Free." What yeah. don't you? Pay yeah, me. and England, she she stayed around for a while too. And uh-huh. She 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 does a lot of the I love the '80s things, uh-huh. but over in Europe in, in the UK, not here,
0: huh? I'll that check out
1: Martika. Oh, she's great. She's from the Inland Empire. She's a nine. She's a niner. er. Is she? Yeah, I Eve chick. I married one. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't she on like uh, like Kids Incorporated there or something? something like that? She, I, don't, I don't know if that was that, but yes, you're, you're you're going down the right path. Yeah.
0: Okay, so on in August of 1968. It's funny. Some of these I have the exact release date. Some of them they just kind of remember the month they came out. Nobody was really writing everything down exactly. It was a pretty loose time in the industry. <laughs> Round about August of 1968, the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 charts was "People Got to Be Free" by the
1: Rascals. Mm-hmm. I feel like I ought to know that. What's that one? People got to be free. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You'd you know a second. I'm I forgive my singing. Uh, yeah. even though I make a living. Do off it for it. a living. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, this song was. I can't
1: believe that got to number one. People got this
0: song was entering the charts with a thud.
1: Ooh. Nazareth, wow. Topped out somewhere in I the thirties. Interesting. Yeah, I This is a number one song in the pantheon of history. This has made all kinds of Rolling Stone lists of the top rock songs of all time. And barely cracked the top 40 when it came out. This is just about as good as a song can be, is The Weight by the band. The the, the storytelling of it. Amazing. And that that part, the piano part. And look, Von Helm, I mean... That's right. And what was the bass player's name, the guy that sang all the highs? Rick Danko? Rick Danko, yeah, Danko.
0: I saw him play at a roller rink in New Jersey in the the 90s. He he didn't make the show because he got stopped with heroin in Japan. That's where they're flying over from.
1: Oh, what a great place to get stopped with Japan. Oh, yeah, and if you're going to get stopped with heroin, definitely make it Japan. That's why I asked if you had any teeth, because at the end there, it got a little rough. It, now, it was, now did, did, obviously, this is a big story. This must have been mid-90s, early 90s?
0: Uh, yeah, Probably around 90, because I was still... So I'm growing up, I'm, I'm wearing dangerous toys, Faster Pussycat t-shirts, and my friend's dad is on a desperate... Mission to, to get you turn into, into real music,
1: and the band played <laughs> in a roller,
0: an ice rink in Montclair, New Jersey. And Robbie Robertson obviously is long gone at that point. Everybody's going, Where's Rick? The whole show, but whoever was there, Levon Garth, the, the keyboardist who went literally insane and and sort of come back enough yeah. that he could perform and mm-hmm. stuff. Just played their fucking hearts out. They did a fucking awesome show. I, I've never been into classic rock, and for some reason, this is the one that my friend's dad tried to get me into. That I'm like, yeah, now this is incredible. That's the
1: one you got, and yeah. it was this particular song, and maybe the one that, that took you into that. space? This one, and there's a song called Chest Fever.
0: Oh yeah, yeah of that, course, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. kicks ass. Actually, oh. Up on Cripple Creek was a bigger hit, but I just wanted to play the weight because I
1: don't care. They, neither of them was a hit. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it was Cripple Creek. Number did 20, it go higher? Twenty-five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what's weird too? In August sixty-eight. How was America not? Just embracing the weight as a song. How did that not just easily get in the top ten? And it wasn't like they didn't. It's have... long though, too. It's long, isn't it? It's over five minutes. Let's see, four thirty-four. Yeah. People have gotten away with. No, they've gotten away with worse. But that's that was long for the late '60s because we're talking about three-minute song bites back then, especially with the Rascals being number one. Well, those but... songs are like two minutes and forty-two seconds.
0: Yeah, that's right. But think about the bands. So they're they're called the band because they were the backing band for so many people, Bob Dylan.
1: In particular, most notably, was did Bob Dylan
0: have top ten hits?
1: Yeah, did he? Yeah, I think lay, Lady Lay got like I Remember Lay Lady Lay Because my big I think. I, mean, I, I think that was top ten. Um, uh, you know, but it's curious though that the, the the early Bob Dylan, you know, the uh, the 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 songs that he's really well known for. I'm curious to know what those did. I wouldn't think. And and Jimi Hendrix. I feel like we might have talked about him on the
0: one hit thing. Did Jimi Hendrix have? That's another guy, dude. I think, I think Purple Haze may have actually been the hit. Yeah,
1: I think it was, too, because I, I, it was right around when the doors were out, so I, I believe they were fighting for space there. But
0: I think a lot of those bands were... They didn't have multiple hits. They were resonating, but they were in an album. Or that's This is where album-oriented rock, rock as a standalone radio genre comes. There's the AM Top 40, FM is... And that's crazy to me that that, that really happened, right? But AM. radio
1: didn't dictate success as much as it did, does... did did in the 90s and 80s also mtv was a big factor like the video things mm-hmm. a lot of these bands that became these legendary bands that didn't have hits yeah it was pre-mtv yeah. that's a big asterisk you know what i'm saying well there's also we'll get to one or
0: two bands in this list that you would think of as having had hit songs because they had mtv hits videos right. like for example um the romantics uh are not they? I think they are one-hit wonders because they have two hits. Well, they have. What one. I like about you and no.
1: talking in your sleep. Talking in your sleep was a legitimate hit. What I like about you is not a top forty hit, which is insane because it's a number one song in revisionist history. Yeah, right. Oh what God. I like yeah. about you is Louie Louis. Every party you go to, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't hey, go wrong. You know, come on. It was not. It was an MTV hit. That's insane. How did that not happen? Like, it's how insane. is? How is John
0: Cougar Mellencamp and, you know, Hurt So Good and right. ROCK in the UK, USA happening and you can't get what I like about you on the radio?
1: I think the romantics were going for a real new wave thing mm-hmm. that were kind of keeping the imagery might have kept them off the charts with the red suits and the skinny ties. And they were really going for that new wave thing, yeah. you know, where John Cougar was like, you know, you know, Heartland, you know, Mid-America. Don't get me started on Johnny, Johnny Cougar. Cougar.
0: Don't get me started on Johnny Cougar. <laughs> that reminds me. I love this anecdote. They, they say it every time they play Loverboy on the big 80s countdown. Do You know the story with the the cover of the iconic uh, Loverboy? Uh, do, do tell me. So there's the Loverboy album, and it's red leather pants, and it's just the butt with the-, the Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Right. The best. The pants they had, they couldn't get anybody in the band in them. <laughs> it's the photographer's teenage daughter. No. Yeah. No, it's not. Yes, it is. That is phenomenal. Yeah. Trivia. And you just look at it and you just assume that's the lead singer. Of that's, course. That's the guy who did the song with uh, with Ann Wilson.
1: Yeah. Almost
0: Paradise. We're walking on yeah. By
1: the way, I, I do these shows every now and then with Mike Reno from mm-hmm. Lover White Lead Singer. Tell him I said hi. Big fan. I, I, he rules. He's a great guy, really fun, and, and like understands his whole place and the thing. You know, self-effacing. Still sings in the same key. You know, and, and some of the notes that guy's hit. You know, uh, you know turn me loose. You know, I, I want to fly. It's so high, and he still sings in that same key. He's got to be sixty five years old. So, shout out to Mike Rino. It Doesn't look like he used to, but it sings like he used to.
0: Working for the weekend is. I, I've I've long maintained it's
1: like two
0: and a half hit songs in one. <laughs> yes,
1: hit song. you're so right. <laughs> that was def. That had to be a top tenor. I'm I mean, yeah, I'm not going to look at that. I had a. If I
0: didn't have a lover boy trapper keeper, I definitely had a lover boy folder. <laughs>
1: Definitely. I even liked their Hot Girls in Love period. Remember like, when they were trying to get into the, like, the, the hair metal thing was happening, 86, 87? Do you remember? they were they, turning on the heat, Hot Girls in Love. Yeah, that?
0: that stuff lost me a little bit.
1: I know, yeah. I, well, they, I, they, were trying to just, they were trying to stay current. You got to do what you got to do. It. You got yeah. to stay in the game, man.
0: Okay, this is a no-hit legend. This song has subsequently- The band
1: are no-hit legends. Amazing.
0: Yeah, so uh, let's maybe. see. In April of 1970, the number one song was "ABC" by the Jackson Five. Nothing wrong with that. No,
1: I cut that off the back of uh, a alphabet cereal. You know, the ABC. I get get you know alphabets cereal. Yes. It, well, I'm old enough to remember this, I'm older than you. You cut the single off the back of the cereal box. Oh, yeah, it had and the it was, vinyl in it. It had the vinyl ABC. You threw it, the cardboard it, on the, yeah. You threw it on your mom's turntable. She's like, thanks for ruining that. You know, and uh, that how gnarly was that? The record was on the back of the cereal box. You cut it out and played it. ABC it's, was it.
0: It's amazing to me. Uh, you know, I, I find it so hard to defend a lot of pop music that's happened in the last 20 years because there has always been a lot of garbage in pop music, mm-hmm, but course. I just somebody's going to have to convince me that I'm wrong that the same amount of truly great, you know, timeless music is also being released simultaneously in pop music because when you look at the number one songs as I did on BobBorse.com throughout the 70s, they're just
1: fucking ABC by the Jackson 5. They're like, gigantos. You know who's
0: got a song like that? Bruno Mars. He took it from them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also the way like, you know, if you look at the way records are released now and singles are released, I think Little Pump or something just tied the Beatles for most number yeah. one songs <laughs> in the top 100 because they release a the whole record at once now and the kids pick them all. You know, they rip them off the, the thing and buy them and they that's how they chart. So Lil pump is got the same it's number Beatlesque. So, so I, I was offended when Garth Brooks got there. So don't get me started you know, on Little Pump. It's it just but what's crazy now is like is that the generation gap or is music ending? Because I remember I'd be in my my ba- my bedroom playing Black Flag, the uh, Clash, and the Pistols and stuff, and my dad would walk in and go, "This isn't music. It's yeah. never going to be commercial. It just it's atonal." Yeah. And by the way, at the time he was right.
0: Well, he was right about Black Flag. That that, that
1: never. No, well, without over. a doubt. But punk rock became sure. a very viable yeah. commodity. Yeah. You know, are we I, are we live in a space right now where like this sort of mumble wraps up. Is that going to, is that going to sustain career? I, I just, and I'm not being a hater. I'm just no. like wondering, and I'm also getting way off track. So no,
0: I, I agree with you. I don't see it either. There's a, the, 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 smart bet would have to be that we're old and out of touch.
1: Which I, which I definitely surrender to. You know? Right. But time will tell. Time right. Will tell. But they are also legends, uh, you know, Post Malone will be a legendary artist the rest of his life. Sure. Yeah. I agreed. Agreed. Yeah, um, uh, so when so ABC, and- ABC
0: is number one, this song is released and does not
1: chart. Wow. That's crazy. Joni Mitchell. Not even top 40? Do you like the Counting Crow's version of this?
0: But
1: you don't know what
0: you've got until it gone. Was that a hit somewhat recently? Uh, maybe a recurrent, but it was released in the 90s. Because I hear a version. I honestly didn't know that the, Joni Mitchell to me was a name until I right. started looking this up. And yeah. I know I only knew the song as the cover version. The Counting Crows version, yeah. Was there another one more recently? Because I feel like I hear one at Vons, like the
1: supermarket, like like... Not, Not updated, now, but like, maybe like Beach three, House did it or something. Three years right? or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I haven't heard it. I don't know, but I, I do know the Counting Crows had a lot of traction with theirs. Yeah, you know, probably more than Joni Joni Mitchell. I bet the Crying Crows charted higher than Joni Mitchell. I have Mitchell's no did. doubt about
0: that. Yeah. I think a number of people have had a hit with that. She um subsequently released a live version a few years later that made it up to number twenty four. Oh, okay, but
1: the studio version of that charted uh, topped out at number sixty seven. Interesting. All these no-hit wonder bands are all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and also Johnny Mitchell is considered as I think as Stephen Still said the best guitar player he's ever seen. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's like a, there's so many layers working there with Johnny Mitchell. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And she got booed off the stage in Isla White, and I think in 1970. Oh, really? Yeah. Why'd she get booed off the stage because people were just loaded on acid. I, I think she came out there and then I think she was like, "Can you guys please please be quiet?" <laughs> to like a festival crowd of English drunks, oh. and I, I don't think that went over so well.
0: In October of 1971, Rod Stewart was number one. I think he was for a number of weeks with "Maggie May," great song, and um, making.
1: Remember when songs had a narrative and a storytelling, and it was just great. Oh, "Maggie May" is one of those.
0: Uh, there's a story to this song, which <laughs> made which made no impression. Actually, I think it did like chart, but which is crazy. But wow, this made it to 1951. I'm sorry, to number 51. I was going to say 1951. You know, he's talking through a fan there.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, I just found that out yesterday. He's talking through the back of a fan. You're kidding me. There had to be some technology, dude. I
0: don't know,
1: just Don't blame me, blame me. I can't believe this got to number 51, because it, it, so this was punk rock. But how many things were even getting released? Yeah, no, no well, well said. but How many singles were there that week? I bet a lot more than you think. Yeah, there are a lot of bands we don't know that just never made it. There are a ton of 1910 fruit gum companies out there, you know? And we know them. I didn't know this This just story. blew people's minds. When they heard it, it, Ozzy's voice, the, yeah. the dark imagery. This was like this was like death metal, underground stuff. I'm, I'm surprised yeah. it got even on pop radio at all. To, to get to number 51, there were pop radio stations banging on it. It didn't necessarily hit probably in the LA and you know in New York that was really getting its, its spot but uh I would have said this thing didn't chart at all it would have been my my guess
0: I would have assumed uh the same my exposure to this song as early as I can remember was there was the um the wrestling tag team the road warriors yep, accent, accent smash mm-hmm. and I used to buy AWA VHS tapes at the shop right by my parents house and this was their entrance music and I legitimately found them to have a hint of real menace.
1: Because of this because song. Because of this song. Of
0: course. And you're talking about, no, and I I think metal is and certainly was a lot of, a lot like comedy. Like it just didn't. Age very well to young ears. There was always a new band that was playing faster, heavier, had more distortion or whatever. And the and shit you that grow was, out of it. And the shit that was heavy ten years ago just yeah. sounded like old and sure. lame. So Iron Man was the one thing now it's fifteen years old at that point, which is an eternity when you're nine years of old. Of course. To have that effect, then yeah, that I you was know? like, "This is this is this is dark shit."
1: What is this? But if you listen to the today that the chords are just very very dark, and the and the his playing is very unique, and and Ozzy's voice just so satanic. It's just such a. It's all just so dark, you know. I don't know that enough is made of
0: Ozzy Osbourne's voice. It is such a unique instrument, and it's funny because as time has gone by, and as the Technology has developed for recording stuff. He his voice is perfectly suited to being studioed the hell out and yeah, triple tracked, right. harmonized and what have it's you. It's like Vince Neil's kind of set that
1: high thing. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: but just Ozzy in a little four track studio in the in Northern England. Already very much has a
1: vibe. Is very Aussie. Single-tracked. Yeah, like no frills, you know, bareback, right into the board, you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, I, 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 think, I think you're right. He doesn't get the love. Uh, he does as a performer and, like, all the you know, histrionics and BS, but, like, this voice is amazing. He's a great songwriter, too. I, I, I still feel like the average
0: music fan doesn't know Goodbye to Romance. Without a doubt. Which, which is, is it's a shame. And I've talked to, you know, which is like the ballad is what you would call it nowadays off of the Blizzard of Oz with Crazy Train and all mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I've talked to Blasco as bass player about it. And I'm like, why don't you guys kind of do the same set list every night? Why don't you just open up a little bit? And he's like, you know, Ozzy just thinks people want to hear certain songs. But he's right. Certain yeah. songs
1: and- he's right. For every fan like you that wants to hear that, that there's five in the arena. You know, so you need to you need to you need to appeal and, you know, to serve the ninety nine percent that are going to come the next time again. So, so if there's a lull in the set, because, uh, you know, let's be honest, people that go see Ozzy are probably casual Ozzy fans. There's not all psycho Ozzy fans in there. You know what I mean? So to know even a song like that, it's going to be, it'll have to be a unique experience for him to play that it outside makes of me Marina. It makes me sad to think that he might
0: never perform that song to pick one. I live. promise you he'll
1: never play that again. <laughs> What I wonder the when the last time that? he played that was. Yeah, that'd be. I'd be interested to. He probably know. played I it during that you know that recording si- record cycle, and that was the last time.
0: Well, there's the live album, which I don't know uh, the, the Randy Rhodes tribute, right? Because Randy passed away, and mm-hmm. I can only imagine what they did to that in the studio. That is not a live album, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is, yeah. Whatever combination of what actually happened one night at Nassau Coliseum right. and what they did with right. you know back at the the record plant around the corner from here, I can only imagine, but. I it, it, most of the versions of the songs off the live album, the quote unquote live album, to me, are superior
1: to the actual Blizzard of Oz yeah, album. Right. So I know he did it on the the Blizzard of Oz tour. Well, you know what was that? Eighty two or three. So Just I mean, about. look, Kiss Kiss has uh, proven that an alive, a live record is not necessarily a live record. No, it's, you know what it's whatever you want it to be. You don't really want to hear live records all the time. No, you, you, don't. you don't. You don't.
0: Um, one oh. performer who, as far as I can tell, never sang a bad note. Um, because I've heard lots of live performances of his. Also, never had a hit. A no-hit wonder. Yes, in April thirty uh, on April thirtieth, nineteen seventy six, the number one song in the land was "Disco Lady."
1: Wow! By Johnny, Johnny Taylor. Taylor.
0: See, I did not know. Disco that Lady. One. You know, yeah. you're i mean a little young. I could kind of guess. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Went, bah, 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 bah. Disco lady. And he had a really deep voice. Kind of Barry White ish. You... Yeah. Barry
0: White also does not get enough credit, by the way, because he gets lumped oh. in with the disco people. He was doing it a solid 70s, five years yeah. before any of that shit was happening. I'm
1: glad you know that.
0: And this, the, uh, the songbook is, is deeper than I think people realize. Granted, they're all the same song, but boy,
1: he's, got, it's like, it's a, he's like the Ramones of disco. It's a darn good thing to keep, uh, be repetitive over. And to me, he's more Al Green-y. I'm going to mm-hmm. put him more in that category. I'm, I'm going more Staxy with him, even though he's a little later. and yeah. I, 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 I want to keep him out of the disco thing with all due respect.
0: That's fair. Also interesting, he broke, if I'm not mistaken, with an instrumental.
1: Yeah. And the craziest thing, his best friend was Wink Martindale. Like the game show yes. host guy. Yes. Yes.
0: What did Wink and Barry get up to? I
1: out? have no idea, <laughs> but apparently when Barry fell on hard times, Wink lent him some uh, cashish to oh, keep afloat. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a whole, whole thing. Okay. So <clears throat> April 30th, 1976, Disco
0: Lady is ruling the charts. And <laughs> on its way to its peak, at number 51 is wow Man. it's the drums in that yeah Bob Marley has this weird thing if you listen to like him just like with the acoustic guitar or whatever you know it's you'll think he's going to sing a bad note but he always lands brings it. it back. He's like he's like the drunken
1: master, right? You no. know, he'll, it's he'll crazy. He'll do some things like he'll go, he'll yeah. do some like little Indian chants that are just killer. And then I, I remember I was in the Big Brother house. You know, I did the Celebrity Big Brother thing, and and when I, I won, won I won one of the competitions, and one of the prizes you got is you got to choose a CD. But you had to choose your CDs before you went in, like what in case you won a competition because you couldn't, you know, you couldn't contact anybody. Yeah. And I had Bob Marley's Legend. You know, I said that's the one I want to listen to. Yeah. And. I listened to Legend for 12 hours a day because all you have is time, nothing to do in there. And I really broke down what made Bob Marley so great. And it's the passion and delivery in every vocal. And he, there's notes you said, there are no bad notes, but there are notes that are being stretched and pulled yeah. and, and so unique to Bob that only Bob could have pulled off. I'd almost compare
0: him to, um, to uh, a Willie Nelson. Yes. In the regard that... Phrasing, right? Y- yeah. He always lands in the right place, but very often does not start start where anybody
1: else would think to start. And you're like, okay, what are we doing here? Oh, I see what you did there. It's also Sinatra had the gift of that too. Yeah, yeah. Aretha. Yeah, exactly. They'll stretch it. They'll bring it back. And that—that's a pure. That's in your soul. That's coming from a place where you know where the song is going, where it's ending. Um, Fifty-one must have been the place on the on the charts where they said. Uh, you're too weird for us. Oh, that's, that's weird. That's, a, that's, that's the weird. second
0: straight 51. Yeah, I wonder Black if that's Zap. like
1: a thing where you weren't really in the charts and they just called it 51. Because it's weird because are, 50, right. you know, and 51. That's a very interesting uh, uh, number that both of those fell on. They both have fo- such unique. Yeah, you would think 41 would be the yeah, one where you 48, fall 62. Out. They're both at 51. I don't know. Interesting.
0: Yeah, you raise interesting questions. Another thing <laughs> to which I do not have answers. Bob, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> on November 4th, 1977, the number one. Song song was Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life. And, um, I used to love that song. I think I would... I think most people could have told you that this song was not going to be a hit, but I think the it Ramones. was very disappointing <laughs> to the Ramones to find out that they were not a number one act in their own right.
1: I mean, this, this is a number one song to me. All of these. Rock away, bitch. On the roof, I no drums. Is their third album in two years? It might have been. It was, this is "Rocket to Russia," isn't it? Yes. Rock, rock. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock. Listen to the cool harmonies they interwoke I love Johnny Rone's just downstroke militant. And D.D. was a little behind because of you know, the heroin. He was busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's so strange. Like, Rockaway Beach is, I mean, it's almost an obscure Ramones tune. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Which is funny. When you, when you think of, like, Blitzkrieg Bop yep. and the pantheons of revisionist rock and roll history, that is a number one song. Yeah. It is, it's the romantics. It's uh, what I like about you. You know what I mean? It's like you play... Blitzkrieg Bop anywhere live, it'll get the biggest reaction. It's it's gigantic, you know. I would have thought that I want to be sedated would have made it higher than maybe that. it did because I know they re-released it like in nineteen ninety one, and they did a re-release of I Want to Be Sedated. And but I I don't I think people said Nah, we're still not putting that in here.
0: Let me see, I want to be sedated. She's a
1: sensation. Is such a beautiful song that, that to me is like a Beach Boy song, but. Oh, I want to be, so data came out in 78. I guess, yeah, you're- you're but they you re-released it, right, in 91 or something? I know there's a re-release they did, and that was a single they were leaning on. But look, uh, Joy Ramon says his influences are all the, you know, the the, the Beach Boys- um, mm-hmm. The girl groups. The girl groups. Uh, with, with the producer they went to jail. Phil Ramon. Um, uh, Phil Spector. Phil Spector, yeah. yeah. I mean, all those eras. So all the melody, the Ramones, that's- Buddy Holiday was a big, he was a huge fan of him, so uh, he just had distortion in his songwriting, you know? You can play those songs on acoustic guitar and they're just as beautiful. Yeah,
0: it's amazing to me how many people lean on the girl group thing. I've also done my time trying to find the the gems in there that I can really still appreciate in the present day. Phil Spector stuff, I feel like I kind of know the stuff that's worth knowing from that, but it is crazy. The Ramones... Uh, obviously lean on that very heavily. Um, Glenn Danzig will openly tell you how much of the Misfits was leaning really heavily on the girl group stuff. You just don't, Think of no. Danzig and Lodi, New Jersey, sitting there going, you know, what we really got to do is sound like the Shangri-Las. But,
1: but when we think of the melody in some of those songs, yeah. you know what I mean? They're, 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 it, there's a sort of indirect connection there. With the, the irony of what we're listening to now and talking about the Ramones is that mm-hmm. Debbie Boone song, when was the last time you heard You Light Up My Life? That was a number one song. and yeah. I believe it was for like seven weeks.
0: Yeah, it was probably really. I think good it won one.
1: an Oscar. Wasn't it a movie that year or something? Something sure. crazy about it. There is never a recurrent play of that. You never hear that on like you know Coast One Three Point Five. It's you never hear that song anymore, and it was number one. It just disappeared. It it it, did you know that's one of those songs that has no legs at that that production wise. It doesn't schmaltzy wise. It doesn't hold all those strings. Yeah,
0: I like some of the stuff that has that production. I do too. For the most part, it's really bad. I love. I know I'll know i Never Love This Way Again.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful Dionne song. Dionne Warwick. Yeah, and I mean, that's
0: just sickeningly- Isn't
1: that- Did Burt Bacharach write that? Or...
0: I don't believe he did, but right. I think that she was probably at the phase where she was trying to find people who could make her sound like but, the Burt Bacharach. Right. That's stuff. such a beautiful song. Her Bacharach songs and her, are- And her,
1: her, her- The verses in that, they go, they go real quiet, mm-hmm. and then they hit the like timpani. The chorus is just boom. I uh, no. It's, it's a fucking oh, title She wave. delivers, man.
0: That one and the one that she did with uh, whichever Gibbs is she
1: did. Oh, yeah. How can I be- Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker, amazing. When I want you to be suddenly, it has lots to do with her delivery, though, man. She's she, incredible. She can really craft. Like another one, mm-hmm. but phrasing, yeah. is so uh, it, it just natural to her. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. She
0: owns this song, and she transitioned from you know you think of uh, like I say a little prayer for mm-hmm. you, and do you know the way to San Jose? It's talk singing. It's almost like yeah, it's almost me. Sing songy. It's very, it's very yeah, personal, yeah. and by the, I mean she could fucking belt with She anybody. was doing these
1: Diane Warren, Straight Down Broadway, gigantic yeah, love like songs. Yeah, like Celine that, and Dion. Yeah, kind of, exactly. Yeah. That withstand the test, test of time. And and Debbie Boone, God bless her, because I loved that song you let up my life at the time. It just, I haven't heard it since 1977. Yeah. I really don't think I have. You know? When's the last time you heard the Chariots of Fire theme song? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I come home from a, uh, a trip, I see my kids running in slow motion. I always go, dun, 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 in my head... <laughs> Good moment.
0: That was eighty eighty two two May fourth nineteen eighty two. That was the number one song. Um, I got to sure. go back and watch that one because it's always. Is funny. it good? I, I don't. I didn't watch it. There was no way five year old me was going to watch a bunch of right. British guys running running around. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> it's really weird to me when stuff that sort of has pretensions to pretension cuts through to the mainstream. Right. And what is it about this that makes people go? No, no, no. I, I do. I'm this supposed kid. to. Don't like get me wrong. It. Don't get me wrong. Billie Jean's cool too. Yeah, yeah. Know? Right. Guys, let's keep like, sure it yeah. No, this is just
1: <laughs> speaking to me on a personal level. You know? There's a lot of movies like that that have a collective conscience that, like, you just have to like it. Yeah, you know, it's almost like when REM released the record, you just you had to like it as a critic. There's no mm-hmm. way you could you could talk about it. Radiohead. There's mm-hmm. you just if you don't get it, you just don't get it because you're on another level. You know what I mean? It's funny how those things get a pass. Yeah. Well. What while, was that? What was the uh... while
0: the world was enjoying the Chariots of Fire theme song? <laughs> I find this impossible to believe. I kept looking it up, peaking at number seventy-eight
1: on the charts. This was a slow burn. This doesn't surprise me. I'll tell you why. After we give the people a taste. Forward, all my Modern English. Now, in 82... Bands like Modern English and let's say Psychedelic Furs, they were, and even Depeche Mode. I'm gonna throw them in there. They mm-hmm. were going through a rough thing where they were getting radical. This thing got radical. You know, I call this K Rock songs every time I come in here. Yeah, this was a gigantic K Rock song. Yeah, it, it was probably number one on their playlist.
0: It was a big MTV song as well. Yeah, and
1: it was it, it was played a lot, but it didn't get a lot of pop love. You didn't hear it on the pop station. So I'm not surprised about the placement. Um, and looking back, I mean that song has withstood the test of time. And it's another one of those number one, and when you revision is history, uh, uh, songs. Um, but I'm not surprised because a lot of pop stations were not taking chances, though you know, the occasional soft sell would sneak through with you know, tainted love and stuff. But that was a culture, cover song, culture you know? club, culture club, a couple but, years later, a couple years later. I mean, they definitely opened the doors back then, you know, and Depeche Mode was starting to. But I remember Depeche Mode would go out in 82 and they'd go play like the Metro in Chicago, which is a thousand seater, and they'd end their tour. Oh, uh, selling out the Rose Bowl, which is 100,000 people here in L.A. So there's a real disparity with that sort of new, ro- new romantic sort of pop stuff that we kind of all look yeah, back the, as the, one the pal- thing. The paneling English guy pretending he was a robot. Exactly. But yeah. wearing is that, is, is that is that makeup? Is that yeah. lipstick? Do I like that? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that sort of uh, cur- you know, bi-curious stuff that was happening to everybody. That's right. And this was
0: in the heavy rouge era for women, so yes. for damn sure it was for Gary Newman as yeah, well.
1: Absolutely. And uh, Phil from uh, Human League was killing that rouge stuff. Uh, but yeah, so was, this is when music was making transition, mm-hmm. where the new wave was becoming new row and starting to enter the charts and opened up the doors for the, what would become the Duran Duran's of, of that era. Human League, you say?
0: Yes. And July 1st, 1982, they had a number one hit with Don't You Want Me, mm-hmm. which is, to me, that doesn't hold up as well, but the other one, Human,
1: that's oh, a great yeah. song. Well, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis wrote it. Did they? Yep. I mean, it's such a great. It's a. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. It is fucking. Come you, on, baby, club, dry your eyes. It's so great, man. Oh. And the the girl, with all due respect, it's not like the guy can sing either. They just found those
0: girls. They were like at a club, and they're like, "You guys got to look. Do you want to be like our backup singers?" But they,
1: they were good though. But keep feeling fascination. Yeah, and, and the only part of human she sings, like, well, "Well, you were, what, what, well, you were gone. I was human too. Yeah, I'm only human. You're right. Remember that. He goes. Please forgive. uh, Right, but who knows if she's saying that, right? Because Jimmy Jam. (laughs) Well, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were gonna make sure that got part. You know. Uh huh. That's funny. Please forgive me. (laughs) So on July first. I love that song. That one's a number one. Human, I think. I believe. You might well be right. So uh, don't you want me's number one? And um, actually, that might have been the song that made the walls come down. With, okay. I can see that. Modern English, you were a little early. Uh, everybody else, come on in. Come right over here. Adamant. Yeah, Adam Ant. Come on in. Uh, Duran Duran, you're welcome. Yeah. Psychedelic Furs, we're going to put your stuff up. We're going to bring it up a little higher. You know what Maybe. I mean? Maybe. At 1962 on the charts, a
0: little early for hip hop.
1: Grandmaster People Flash. The in the message. Don't I can't take the smell Can't take the noise got Which is This song by itself Got them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Yes You know Now this song was long though. I think it's six or seven minutes so. I'm looking at a seven minute version Yeah so th- there was that then You know
0: They must have had it Because I, I, I'm playing this A minute in Right, where it's just it's just the hook, like hey guys, go ahead and future generations, go ahead and sample
1: this. Here's a nice, clean one minute uh, look at this the is your career in, the, in front of you. Uh, yeah, so the, these the, obviously rap too and hip hop. If it wasn't that party stuff, you know, if it wasn't in you know, rappers' are right, light, people mm-hmm. weren't trying to hear a socio economic message. This was punk rock. Dude, yes, you know. Uh, yeah, no, that is exactly right yeah. that's
0: precisely right not that Rapper's Delight was lighting up the charts in its,
1: in its own right. That was I nailed. think it went to number one Rapper's Delight
0: no did it it may have no I thought wasn't it the whole thing that Blondie was the first person who actually rapped in a hit song the,
1: the Raptor. I, I, I thought Ra- Raptor's light was high. It was, was it? it was uh, was I'm
0: not sure how high. Here, go ahead and look that up. I'm going to try to speed through a couple here. We never finished the topic, and we am sorry. We don't need to. Believe. It's not I, your fault. I just fault. love it's the not, discourse. It's not now. your fault. Same here. April thirteenth, nineteen eighty-three. Billy Jean by Michael Jackson Tough is one to beat. the number one song, and this one did not come anywhere close. Oh. Famously, I think this was the first album that ever went platinum before it entered the Billboard Top 200.
1: That's an incredible stat.
0: It just was this slow burn for fifteen Forever. years. Was not on the album. Eventually, I think something happened where it was on a soundtrack or something. Right, but right. They went platinum without being on the album charts.
1: Well, this was the album everybody bought when you went to college. You yeah. bought Legend by Bob Marley. You bought yeah. this. You bought, you know, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. And why not? It's terrific. Even the B sides that they threw on the, the, you know,
0: give me the. There's come on, so. Dad. Bridge, Give uh, me the card. Love it's that. Terrific. Love that. You know, just so many. It, it, please, it, it, please,
1: please, please do not go. So many great songs by Vine pems That is another song that like, if you want to cheat an audience in a band, just play that song live. If you want everybody to go crazy, just play 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 uh Blister in the Sun. No, Blister in oh, the Sun. Yeah. As soon as people hear that, they will go Ape S H I T.
0: Yeah, thanks for keeping it clean. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's off like for the kids. Eight It's for the kids. for
1: the kids. Yeah. But you uh, know, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't chart. It doesn't no. chart. It doesn't surprise me. There are no hit wonder band, but it just. A shame. Yeah, exactly. Well, they've they've been able to do all right. Well, another band way. right now that their career is bigger than it ever was. Yeah. I and mean, Violent Femmes are are co headlining amphitheaters with Blondie and stuff like that. They play so, very well live, yeah. why not? Yeah, they opened they they opened for bare naked ladies a couple years ago. So yeah, they're they're fine. On December eleventh, nineteen eighty four, Holland
0: Oates were number one with out of touch. Hard to believe this did not find a place alongside it on <laughs> FM top forty playlists.
1: Now i there was David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? This man's career blows me away.
0: It Leonard Cohen. Like and he wrapped it up in a neat
1: mind. little bow. Well, yeah. I think he had to go back out there and tour. Apparently he was a guy that had no money, blah, blah, blah. Then had this career resurgence because of a Jeff Buckley's version. Yep. And went out and played amphitheaters and and arenas. He never even, he was selling out arenas in Europe. And at the very end,
0: he released um, this album and talked openly about how the love of his life had died and he was going to be with her soon and he had his affairs in order Mm -hmm. and it's great when you know you're going to die because you don't worry about your bills anymore and I left enough money for my kid, I'm good. And he released this song called You Want It Darker, which is the fucking spookiest, I don't even know that. Oh
1: my God, dude. Jesus it is—wait, I'm just going to play it. Oh, it, my God. I mean, just okay. just okay. the title alone is enough to give me the heebie-jeebies.
0: Yeah, okay, wait. So, I mean, I'll just tell you the rest, because who cares? You know that. By the way, I've got no service for the
1: rapper's delight. Yeah, uh, welcome, to, uh, welcome <laughs> to my world. So,
0: wait, the rest of the no-hit legends. Janet Jackson was number one with When I Think of You when um, well, Slayer released Raining Blood. Not a big surprise. <laughs> now, Meatloaf had a five-week run. With I'd Do Anything for oh, Love, but I yeah. won't do that. I remember how huge that was. Dude. I did not know that um, when Bjork released uh, the number 88 single, Big Time Sensuality, and February 28th, 1994, Celine Dion and The Power of Love. It's a shame they didn't do more with her voice. Those songs were Yeah, great. you know. She's a really incredible exceptionally amazing singer.
1: There's no doubt about it. I mean, remember that joke on Saturday Night Live? I'm the greatest singer in the whole world. I mean, she is the greatest singer in the whole world. Yeah. She's amazing.
0: I like Celine. She's very sweet.
1: That is when
0: Morrissey peaked at number 46. You know what his soul sort of hit song was? It wasn't Sweathead. That was after that. Uh, It was... uh, I remember hearing this on Z100 in New York crazily enough. What was it? The more you ignore me, the closer I get. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Great song. It is. If you if I have to- I love
1: this song. If you
0: have to try I was to, 94? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I was in high school. If you have to try to turn somebody on to Morrissey and not the Smiths, I guess I'd go with um, There's a Light That Never Goes Out for the Smiths. Like, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. If you're not, you're, you're not. not. But- the closest, it makes sense to me. What about The Last insane.
1: of the International Playboys? I think that song is so good.
0: Yeah, there's tons of stuff on Bona Drag that I think is, you know, I'll go Interesting right. Drug and Piccadilly Polari. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. But if if you want to, that's, that's as much as I can spoon feed you, Morrissey. If you but, can't get it from that, you're really never going to get it, get it, it And you know? that's fine. And I understand
1: why some people don't And he doesn't care. That. No, 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 no. What if the Smiths ever had a bigger hit than Morrissey did?
0: Yeah, How Soon Is Now is probably, maybe not in America, but.
1: Yeah, but I don't think How Soon Is Now was top 40 in America. I really don't.
0: That's interesting.
1: Inter- so another one. Us.
0: We got to go. We're going to wrap God, it up with it. Leonard go- Cohen. Your... Oh, God. Just... Mark <laughs> underscore McGrath. You're real Mark McGrath on Instagram. Free rope with song. Mark McGrath's 120, 90s on 9. Dark. New uh, Sugar Ray album, Little Yachty. See you Thanks. next time, buddy. Thanks, pal. If you are the dealer